Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. We've been listening to a road trip playlist this summer. Uh, We began by uh, studying way back in Psalm 120, the Psalms of Ascents. Uh, Can we look in the rearview mirror just a minute this morning? Uh, Turn to Psalm 120. Let's go back there for just a second. In Psalm 120, we started in the barren territories of Meshech and Kedar, realizing our need for repentance. In Psalm 121, we lifted up our eyes and we had our first glimpse of the destination of being with God in his presence. Psalm 122, there was this formal invitation to come to God's house and the encouragement to commit ourselves to prayer and to peace. In uh, Psalm 124, we learned about the freedom we have through a relationship with God, like a bird set free from a snare. In 126, we studied how pain increases our focus and our dependency on God, how God uses it for good. In 127, we asked the question, who's building your house? And how are we building each other up? And how about your home? In 129, do you remember the phrase uh, fighting from victory, not for victory? Because Jesus won the victory at the cross. In 130, God taught us about humility, working in the waiting. That's the psalm that I've heard more comments about than any because we don't like waiting. 131, we heard about humility of staying low to grow. In 132, it was a call to obedience. In 133, we heard a challenge to a what? A muy bueno unity. You won't forget that one, will you? 134, we arrive at our destination today. You made it. You made it to Jerusalem, to the temple, to where we want to be with God. Uh, as my friend Barney Kasdan down at uh, the Messianic Temple, Ariel Kehalat says, Psalm 134 was often the song that they sang on the very last step as they entered into the temple. This is the graduation song. Eugene Peterson said as he looked back over these 20 or the chapters from 120 up to 134 that this journey in the Psalms of Ascent is a lot like the journey of a disciple because where do we start with Jesus? We start recognizing our need for him and the need to repent for our sin and where do we end up? We end up in praise and blessing and adoration for who he is, lives that are full because of him. So it's a microcosm, it's a picture of uh, what God has for us. Psalm 134 also clarifies why we went on the journey in the first place. Now some of you are uh, snowboarders or skiers or that. Uh, How many of you have done that up at Mammoth one time or another in your life? My kids said don't ever snowboard because you'll kill yourself, Dad. But you don't get in the car and drive for eight and a half hours to sit in the parking lot and say we got there. That's not the purpose of the trip. There is a purpose for going on the trip. And Psalm 135 or 134 clarifies it for us. Summarizes the purpose and clarifies the potential we have in Christ. Uh, It's kind of like this. You know, after I uh, graduated from Westmont College uh, with a degree in business and economics, I went to Talbot Theological Seminary and received a Master's of Divinity in Christian Education. And, And when I graduated... 
they gave me a little piece of paper. And I hung that piece of paper on my wall. I framed it nicely. Now, uh, j just to clarify about diplomas, uh, this is what Talbot Seminary gives to its MDiv graduates. Uh, Pastor Jeremy, on the other hand, <laughs> from, from Liberty University, their masters are a lot bigger than the other ones. So uh, uh, would you treat Pastor Jeremy more spiritually, okay? <laughs> but it begs the question of why do we get this piece of paper? The purpose of going to school is not just to get a piece of paper to put on a wall. It's to do something. And why did they call graduation ceremonies commencement services? Because I thought the word to commence meant to begin. And aren't you celebrating like graduates and what they've done and their awards and their GPA and all those other things? But we call it a commencement service. And that's intentional, is it not? Because you may have arrived at a point, but it's only just the beginning of fulfilling your purpose before God. I'd like to call Psalm 134 a commencement song. Uh, you thought Pomp and Circumstance was that song, right? The guys who preach during this series are all supposed to sing something. I'm not going to sing it for you, all right? You can hum it along if you want. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, they had arrived in Jerusalem in Psalm 134. Yeah, it's the last song in the Psalms of Ascent, but it's really the beginning of what the Lord would have for them. It's God's commencement speech in, in sense to us, and here it is. Uh, <laughs> skip that one. Here's the outline for Psalm 134. Point number one, bless the Lord. Verses 1 and 2. Point number 2. Be blessed by the Lord. Let me close in prayer. <laughs> Some of you are getting excited there for a minute, all right? Uh, one of the people on our staff said to me, how are you going to pull a whole sermon out of three verses? Oh, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Are you ready to dive in with me? Okay, let's look at uh, Psalm 134 and uh, read this as, as we look at it. Let me pull it up. Psalm 134, verse 1. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Now, it's always good to identify the context. Who wrote this? Uh, what was happening? To whom did they write it? I have no idea. Okay? This is one of those psalms that does not have identifiers in it. And at the same time, you know that the way that the psalms are placed in the order that we have them in our current Bible is not the order in which they were written. They're not in chronological order. In fact, the Psalms of Ascent were written over probably a period of 500 years and then finally grouped in the way that they are. I'm really glad they put Psalm 134 where they did because it is the summary of all the Psalms of Ascent. At the same time, it's the kingpin to what follows in 135 to 150 in the rest of the book of Psalms. Because we're, you'll read, if you read those other chapters, many of them have to do with blessing and praise and honor and glory to God. So this psalm, though it's short, is really a key psalm. It starts with, in your ESV, the word come. Uh, I don't really like that word. Because it sounds like a verb, doesn't it? Come over here. It's not. It's an exclamation. It's a, has Ryan ever done this one, our, our lead pastor? Listen up. 
that's what that word in essence means. It's, there's something really important happening. This is important. Get it, will you? So that's why it starts with come. And it says, bless the Lord. <clears throat> we could easily summarize that first point in this. That I recognize my purpose by blessing him. My purpose is to bless the Lord. Some of you have heard of the first question in the Westminster Short Shorter Catechism. It asks the question, what is the chief end of man? In other words, uh, what is the ultimate purpose for our existence as human beings? The answer that's given is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To glorify, to praise, to bless, to honor and then to enjoy him, to allow him to bless us and to bring a sense of fulfillment in that process. Begs the question, what does it mean to bless the Lord? I'm glad you asked, all right? Because uh, that's what we're going to dive into a little bit this morning. What does it mean to bless the Lord? Uh, the Hebrew word for this is the word <clears throat> baraku. Can you say that with me? Baraku. Okay, I, I want you to do a lot of baraku this week, all right? And uh, maybe if you write that on a sticky and you put it on your rearview mirror or wherever. But uh, the concept here is based on the literal meaning of the word, which means to bend the knee. By extension, obviously, it means to express in adoration back to God that we understand how big and good he is. It's to adore him. A longer definition of this <clears throat> It'd be something like this. Our primary purpose in life is to express our adoration to the Lord with an attitude of gratitude and humility. That is your purpose. It is my purpose. It's our purpose as a church together. That is why we exist, to praise him, to bless him, to honor him. And I don't know if you noticed in those couple little verses we read, there are six factors included in those two little verses about what it means to be a blessing to God. <clears throat> First, number one talks about being a servant. You see that there? It says, all you servants, we can be a blessing to God by serving. One of the vital signs of a healthy church is people are serving one another in the name of Jesus. It's why we this uh, fall have emphasized this uh, uh, false service opportunities guide. It's a way of saying we want to bless you, God, by being a church family that's involved in recognizing that you have blessed us and to bless others in return. If you haven't found a place to serve here at Emmanuel Faith, great place to start on the way out uh, today at the doors. Uh, my encouragement to you is you find a place to serve not only here in our church family, somewhere connected to the ministries, but you also find a place in your neighborhood or at your school, your place of work, where you are serving others in the name of Jesus because that's how we bless the Lord. We bless him. Uh, the second point that is made here is that uh, we're supposed to be ready. See that word stand? You, all you who servants who stand, uh, not sitting down and reclining in God's presence. You catch the imagery here? Don't find the comfortable chair in God's house and sit down and go, I made it. The idea of standing is to be ready, to lean into. Don't stand down. Stand up. Be eager and available to what God has for you. And I think of all the things that get in the way of me being ready. God, I'm too tired. 
Been there, done that. God, I'm sick. Really facing, I've got cancer. How many times, my brothers and sisters, have you talked to somebody who was facing really tough things in their life and the phrase that followed was, oh, but God has been so good to me. May that be true of us, that regardless of what's going on in our life, that we continue to bless the Lord. We can do this. The challenge in Second Chronicles 29 is written this way uh, to God's servants. Do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to minister to him, and to be his ministers. How, are, are we ready? Are we leaning in? God, here I am. Next principle we see here is by night. Uh, those, all you servants who stand by night. In other words, night and day, not just occasionally, I am blessing God by honoring him. Uh, I want to think about a little bit like the night shift. You ever had to work the night shift and it's really long? Who stand by what? Stand by night. Who even in the tough times said, God, I'm going to praise you. Your life may have a darkness in it here today. You may be discouraged. You may be disappointed. You may be facing very difficult things. And, and regretfully, what happens when I get frustrated or I face difficult things is the first thing that goes is my blessing to the Lord. This is a small thing, but I'm, I'll let you into my heart just a little bit, all right? Uh, this week, I was... Uh, trying to squeeze in an errand between a couple of appointments. And I made the mistake in the afternoon of driving west on Highway 78, <laughs> which meant that I had to then come back in a hurry and drive east on Highway 78 and try to get back in time. And there were cars there! And I needed to get to my appointment. It was important. I was going to be late. God, can't you see these cars? This little voice in the back, bless me. And I admit to you, okay, through gritted teeth, <laughs> God, you are a good God. And even when I am deeply frustrated or discouraged or hurt, you are still good. So God, I bless you. How will we bless him? By honoring his presence and his place. Did you see whose house it is? It's in the house of the Lord. Who owns it? <laughs> he does. Who, who says what happens there? It's his place. All right? So part of blessing God is to recognize his presence and his place. This is him. He is with us and he has good for us. <clears throat> it talks about an outward expression with what? Hands lifted up. Now, this is an interesting psalm. There are three different postures mentioned here. One is the idea of, um, of blessing. What do we do with our knees? Bend, okay. Uh, the idea of standing in his presence, right? And then right here in this part, uh, lifting up our hands. 
Now, if you try to do all three at once, it gets a little awkward, all right? But the idea is that if, if it truly is in us that we want to bless God with who we are, it's going to get out of us. And how would somebody know that you were living a life of blessing to the Lord? Sometimes it's here in our worship. God, thank you. Be glorified. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's a touch. But if his grace is in you, then let it get out of you. And finally, uh, in what direction are your hands lifted? To or toward. It doesn't say in in the, the best translations. Your translation might say lift your hands in the holy place. No, the, the Hebrew word here is to lift them toward God. In other words, to be focused on him. And I love the visual imagery a lot of times of my life when I think about it. Um, you know, God's over here. And I go, you're a good God. I'm not even looking at him. I'm not looking for him. I'm not focused on him. Do you look for God? You look for his principles? You look for him at work day in and day out? I was given a little bit of a break this summer uh, to get away, to spend some time in the Word, and uh, had the privilege of uh, being with, my, with our grandkids. Nancy's here cheering me on today or telling me how I mess up. No, you'll, you, you won't do that. Um, uh, to, to strap my little one-year-old grandson in his car seat. And one of my principles when I was gone is I was going to look for one of God's concepts every day in a fresh way. So I'm strapping little Cam into his car seat, and he doesn't like it. Have you strapped a child into a car seat recently? I mean, there are straps everywhere. You know? So he's fighting me and doing his thing. As soon as he gets those on, he relaxes. I drive around to the front of the car, get in, start driving away. And not once did he ask me, do you have a license? (laughs) Where are we going? Are you safe? No, he trusted me. And I thought about myself and I said, oh, I am so much like Cam. I don't like the restraints God puts on me at times. But if I'll just relax and let them keep me safe, I can trust God who's driving this life, this car, because he's got good for me. Look for God every day, will you? So what does being a blessing look like? Let's put it all together. Here's one, one sentence. Being a blessing to God is this. Always ready to serve him, honoring his presence, and expressing our adoration. Let me read that again. Always ready to serve him, honoring his presence, and expressing our adoration. So let's get practical. What's that look like today on the way home, uh, tomorrow? I'm glad you asked. Behaving like a blessing involves things like this. Uh, First of all, it involves thanking him. Psalm 100, give thanks to his name, bless him. Uh, Remember his goodness. Psalm 103, bless the Lord and forget none of his benefits. Talk often about his saving grace. Psalm 96, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Tell him what you've learned about him. Psalm 104, bless the Lord. You are very great, God, clothed in splendor and majesty. So blessing him is the act of speaking about him. It's speaking to him. It's thinking about him. It also involves the doing of obeying him. 
Psalm 104, bless the Lord, all you his hosts who serve him by doing his will. That's what blessing God looks like. Can you do that? And the most important thing of all in this, these first two verses is that none of this is an invitation. God isn't saying, you know, if you'd like to do this, it would be good for you. These are imperatives. This is a command from God. Because I reduce blessing a lot of times to a special feeling. Oh, I'm feeling close to God, so I'll bless him now. Or he's done something big for me, and I go, oh, God, bless you. It doesn't have anything to do with what Psalm 100 or 134 is talking about. Because these are commands for 24-7, 365. Bless the Lord. If you want a healthy and vibrant relationship with God, if there's a longing in your soul to go deeper with him, then start by blessing him and see what he does. He will change your heart. All right, we saw point one has to do with uh, blessing the Lord by recognizing our purpose. Point two in verse three, realize our potential by being blessed by him. The only way that I can truly realize my full potential as a follower of Jesus is to allow him to bless me in the ways that he desires. Verse uh, three, may the Lord bless you from Zion, from his presence where he dwells, in other words. He who made heaven and earth. Verse one and two was our response back to God. Verse three is God's response to us. It's what he desires for us. It's what he created for us, to be blessed by him. Uh, Do you remember back maybe uh, Genesis 1, verse 28? When God created Adam and Eve, what was the first thing he said to them? He blessed them. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. From the very beginning of humanity, God's desire was to bless his people. And then you go to the end of the book, back down in Revelation And what do we see around the throne in Revelation 21? We see the God who will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear. There'll no longer be death or mourning or crying or pain. The old things will have passed away. And it says, he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Do you know that you have a God who wants to bless you? It's the desire of his heart. And it's interesting here in Psalm 134 that the writer then pronounces or prays or speaks blessing over those around him or her. It's the, the statement of God wants to bless and I want it for you. You ever pronounced a blessing over somebody? Do you know you have permission to do that? It's right here in the Psalms, the writer writing, extending God's goodness to someone else. Uh, because when you become a follower of Jesus, uh, does not God call us priests, a kingdom of priests? We have the example in Psalm 134 to pray blessing over other people. And I want to challenge you. If you have influence in the life of a child, maybe your own or a grandchild, maybe somebody else's grandchild. I want to challenge you to speak and to pray blessing over them. 
that they would understand the good that God has for them. There's no shortage of blessing in God's house. You won't run out of them, okay? I love Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless him. And what happens in the return? Because who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So God has poured out his blessing. Let's just share them with people. Let's speak them over them. And his blessing is not, uh, may God make you rich. May God heal all of your hurts. Uh, We can ask for those things, but his blessing doesn't take away all of the hurts and the difficulties. His blessing is to be with us and to give us favor, to strengthen us through his spirit. We can never say that we have earned God's blessing. Think about that for a minute, would you? You ever felt that? Well, God, you need to bless me because I worked really, really hard. We never can earn it. I, I see it a lot like the Medal of Honor that our military awards as the highest honor to uh, men or women in our services who have done uh, amazing things. It's described this way, the Medal of Honor. Is authorized for any military service member who distinguishes him or herself conspicuously by gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of life above and beyond the call of duty. And if you listen to one of those award ceremonies, you will never hear them say, this person has earned it or they deserve it. What do they call them? They call them recipients. You are a recipient of God's grace, of his blessing. Share it with others. Don't hoard it. The kind of blessing that we receive from God is based in that last little phrase in verse 3. How is God described there? This ain't no wimpy little blessing that God extends to us or he wants us to extend to others. This is all based in the character and the will and the power and the authority of the God of what? Heaven and earth. Reflected on this psalm this week and this, this phrase just caught me. For us to bless God is to acknowledge gratefully and humbly who he is. For God to bless us is for him to mercifully and graciously acknowledge who we are not. That we need him and he's got all the good that we need to make it day in and day out through life. The beauty for me is that nothing can keep you from fulfilling your purpose and living out your full potential based on God, based on us blessing God and God in return blessing us. Nothing can prevent that but you. This is my choice. I pray that we will be a church family who blesses him richly, deeply, fully, and at the same time, receive from him all that he has. Nothing, not COVID, not cancer, not crisis, not conflict can keep you from fulfilling your purpose and finding fulfillment with Jesus. We're going to close our time together this morning by remembering the blessing that we receive because Jesus 
died on the cross outside of Jerusalem. You took our place. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.